Hey everyone, I wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of Speed Bumps. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Spotify, I would really appreciate if you clicked that five-star button. And if you're on Apple, you can click the five-star button and leave a written review if you're so inclined. If you're interested in coming on my show, you can reach out to me at speed.bumps.com podcast on Instagram. When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. everyone. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps. And today with me, I have Nico from Upstate Unconventional. He is the other half of the Upstate Unconventional. I had his wife Rosie on a few episodes ago. Now you'll have to scroll and find that in the feed. And that was a great interview as well. So I'm super excited to have the other half of Upstate Unconventional here. So thank you, Nico, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, fun. I got to be honest, though. Like I've been on so many podcasts and I talk about so many different things, paranormal, whatever. But when I have to talk about myself, I get nervous. Like you can ask Rosie. I'm like, uh, what do I say? Like, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I I try not to talk too much about myself, but yeah. I would say like 85% of the people who come on say something like that of I don't, either I don't have a story or I'm going to be nervous or something, right? And then by the end of it, they're always like, that was really great. Like it flowed really well. Um, it didn't feel like it was an interview. And that's my whole goal. And what I found too is, especially the people who have podcasts, this can give your listeners a glimpse into a little more personal you, which then allows them sometimes to better understand when they listen to your podcast. So I've heard that feedback too from podcasters, which I think is really cool. Yeah, 100%. And the thing is too, it's like when I feel like nervous for something, usually I'd run from it back in the day. But now I'm like, if I'm nervous about it, it means I need to do it. Like I need to just like get out of my own way and just do it. So yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a growth opportunity, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So before we get into some of the things that you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about today, can you tell me two things you love about yourself, please? <laughs> You're like, I hate I was, talking about myself when I ask I this. was hoping you would forget that, but <laughs> so I was thinking about this and I was trying to like really come up with something that's like true. And I, I got to say, I think my intuition is one thing that I really like love about myself. It's it can be annoying sometimes constantly like second guessing stuff, but like I've learned to just kind of 
go with it. It usually works out well. Um, usually not wrong. I'm not trying to say that to be arrogant or anything, but like if you have a weird feeling about something yeah. or it, it's, yeah. it saved my ass quite a bit. Oh and yeah. So my intuition and the other thing I'm going to say is my curiosity and like willingness to learn. Like that kind of goes into the ADHD a little bit. Like I, it can be crazy. I can be scattered all over the place, but I pick up things really quick. I've learned how to do so much with like my hands and just different topics. Like I'm always trying to learn, you know? And so, yeah, I would say my intuition and my curiosity are two things that I genuinely love about myself, even though they can be annoying sometimes. Listen, I I love those. And I love the fact that not only is it something that you love and appreciate about yourself, but you're like, I don't always love it, but I'm still going to mention it because I know that more like the benefits outweigh the inconveniences sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, again, you know, sometimes I find myself going down too many rabbit holes, but I'm happy that I do question things. I'm happy that I am like willing to learn and I'm always willing to admit I'm wrong too. I always say that like, I'm probably wrong, but until I'm proven wrong, I'm going to just go with this, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So you had touched on ADHD a little bit. Were you like formally diagnosed as like a kid or maybe as an adult or how did that whole thing happen? So I was formally diagnosed as an adult. It was back in 2016. So I was probably diagnosed as a child, but my parents were very like anti any type of like medical stuff, establishment, like really big, like no therapy. You're normal. You're not like you don't tell people how you feel. You keep that bottled up. And so Long answer, yes, I probably should have been diagnosed as a child, but I was diagnosed later on in life as an adult. And it just, it made so many things make more sense. Like not to be like attached to that label. Like I don't like, you're not your diagnosis type thing, but it helps put things into like perspective. Like why is it so hard for me to do little tasks? Like I, it takes me hours sometimes to unload the dishwasher And it's like just such a dumb thing that like no one else can. It's like, just do it. And it's like, I can't like I physically like can't bring myself to do these little tasks sometimes. But I can go out in the garage and like whittle a piece of wood for like six hours straight with no, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it was tough growing up like that. And I'm going to say something here that I'm not trying to be funny or anything like that. But I think I'm definitely like on the spectrum. And I think you know, I don't know if a doctor told my parents this or not, but like, I just remember like, they were so like, after one doctor's appointment, I was probably in like second grade. And I don't know what I was doing. I like, pretended I didn't know how to like spell my name or something. And my mom like flipped out on me. And she was like, you got to stop acting like this. You don't joke or like, just went crazy on me. So I think they could probably kind of sensed it. Like I was such a quiet kid. I really didn't like, I was a weirdo, you know, I was just a quiet, weird little kid that just, I was always isolated, just played by myself, was obsessed with like my toys and things like that. Didn't really have any friends growing up. I had like one friend throughout all of elementary school. And yeah, I don't know. I I think, and and as an adult, I've kind of gone through and done some of these like, autism tests and things like that. And 
I always test really high, like not, not f- like clinically thing, but yeah. it's like right on that cusp, like probably like Asperger's or something. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing, but it makes a lot of sense. Like why I was the way I was as a little kid no, and it- still today. And that makes a whole lot of sense of, and, and I appreciate that, of you're not your diagnosis. However, sometimes a diagnosis can give you insight into why you are the way you are, why you have certain symptoms. And that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, my name is One Thumb L. So I embrace the fact that I have one thumb. Now, in everyday life, I don't go by One Thumb L, but it, there's that line, right? And I like that you mentioned that. Um, and there's been times too that, I've done like these autistic tests and it's similar of, I have these traits. I'm not full-blown autistic or anything like that, but there's definitely certain things that I have. Like, I don't understand sarcasm in people. It's really hard. Like people make a joke and I think they're being serious and like, I've just never been able to understand sarcasm. So it's, uh, it's interesting because a lot of people say things like, I'm not autistic, but there are certain things that if you look at the diagnosis, like I have, I check some of the boxes, not mm-hmm. all the boxes, just some of the boxes. Yeah. I check most of the boxes and it's, <laughs> it's like sarcasm isn't, I, I understand sarcasm, but like, I'll get like, sometimes I'm too brutally honest. You know what I mean? Like I'm That's too me. blunt. Yep. Yeah. It's like, and it comes off as rude sometimes, yep. but it's like, I, I'm really not being rude. Like that was meant to be a compliment. I swear. <laughs> it's yep. like, nah, was it? And it's like, yes, I swear. I'm trying to help you. Like, like I used to be an English teacher too. So when I would grade kids papers, it was like, I would like hurt their feelings and I wasn't meaning to do it, but it was like, this is bad writing. Like, don't write, like, this is not how you do it. And it's like, you gotta, I don't know, tone it down a little bit. Don't be so brutally honest sometimes, but yeah. So there's that. And then like, just, I don't want to say I'm socially awkward, but Growing up, I was very like socially awkward. Like I'm very aware of it now. I can kind of sense, but like I was that kid. I was never like unpopular, but I was weird. Like I would be like just outside of the crowd. Like I'm there, I'm around, but like I wasn't like fully interacting with people. People didn't really know who I was. Like yeah. it was like a weird, very odd, but like, yeah, it's just don't, didn't fully understand like the social, like it's weird to stand there and look at people. Don't do that. You know? Like don't people but watch all this? <laughs> right, right. I'm people watching, and I don't know. So there's just like little traits like that. Um, the bluntness, the like a, I focus so hard on things that I'm into that sometimes I'm like not aware that other people are like not into it as well. You know, it's like yeah. he's still talking. Shut up. Like yeah. Don't... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Social but, cues. Yeah, and. I don't know, but then it kind of ties into like being an empath. So I'm like also hyper aware of that too. So it's like, I'm hyper aware that someone's not interested, but I also can't stop talking about this subject. So it's like, I don't know, it just creates this weird balance where you're like, you just have to constantly be self-aware. And I think that's one of my biggest flaws is like, I'm so self-aware and like brutally honest with myself sometimes that it's like, just relax, dude. Like, you know, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry. Just talk. Like, just just be yourself. Stop worrying so much about, like, not even what people think about you, but, like, how you think about yourself. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Uh, there's only been a couple episodes, and I can't even get all the way through, where I will go back and listen to myself, whether I'm the host or the guest. Because I'm like, 
I paused too long or I fumbled a word or I was sick that day and I sounded nasally or I should have said this instead. So yeah, I don't, I can't go back and listen to my episodes. I don't either. And it's, it's hard. Cause like I edit them. So I, I go through, I edit the episode and then I'm like, I'm never listening to this again. Like yeah. it's out there now it's in the universe. What It is what it is. And if I say something that I'm like, really like I, I want to go back on, I'll announce it in the next one. Like, Hey, in that last episode, I said this, that was wrong. Here it is. And then just move forward. But yeah, I, I'm like really my own worst critic with everything. Like even cooking artistic stuff. Like you can ask Rosie, I've destroyed so many like art projects. I've thrown meals away that like didn't come out right. It, it's, it's probably like borderline psychotic behavior, but I can't help it. It's like, if it's not perfect, I don't want to, I, I don't want my name attached to it. And it's, I don't know if that's like an ego thing or a whatever, but it's a problem sometimes. I feel like depending upon who you ask, cause there's Instagram accounts right now for everything, right? Or TikTok accounts. And some may say, oh, that's generational trauma or it's just ADHD or it's odd. Like everyone has a label for perfectionism and why we are the way that we are. And I feel like that's a question only you can answer. Yeah. And I don't know how to answer it sometimes. It's like, am I doing this for myself? Am I doing it for like gratification of other people? Like, why am I this way? Because well, let's just take like an art project, for example, or like a piece of organite that I made. It's like yeah. beautiful. But like, I notice one little like air bubble in there and I'm like, I got to scrap the whole thing. And Rosie would be like, it's perfect. Just stop. Like, no one is going to notice that. And I'm like, I notice it though. I don't want to sell something like that or give something away that is, in, I, I don't know. So it's a, I don't know how to answer it. I just know that I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to be more easy on myself, but it's tough. Yeah. One th- so there are certain things that I'm like that with, not everything, but there are certain things in what's helped me. And maybe this will help you or someone who's listening is telling myself like critiquing myself, but not in a harsh way of, okay, this is how I messed up. But next time to prevent whatever it was, the air bubble, this is what I can do different. Or, hey, maybe that air bubble was meant to be there because, I don't know, the light's going to refract different in this person's house. Like that happened for a reason. And I feel like sometimes we get so stuck in trying to understand the reason for everything that it can become almost paralyzing. Yeah, no, 100. And that's kind of where I'm like working towards. It's like when I was younger, I would, it, it would, it'd be like almost crippling. Like I, I'm done. I'm shutting down. I'm not doing it anymore. And now it's like, okay, just, you know, put a little more heat on it. And then the air bubble will come out. Like just, you learn from that mistake. But yeah, back, I would say even up to like three years ago, it's like, it was like that bad. Like I would, mow the lawn like mowing the lawn would take me hours because i had to get the lines perfect and it's like who am i doing am i doing this for myself (laughs) am i trying to like impress these neighbors that don't care like i know i'm not but it's just one of those yeah it's it's tough it's hard to explain that to someone like i need these lines perfect because that's how i was taught to do it and for whatever reason so yeah it's a constant struggle with little things like that, that, but it is, it can be like debilitating. Sometimes you're like, Oh, I just wasted like a whole afternoon doing nothing like stressing out over lines in the lawn or 
something dumb like it so that that's been like a hard thing for me and like working with like detailing cars sometimes it's like you get paid per car you don't get paid like per hour so it's like I get paid the same amount whether I take 10 hours to clean a car or one hour so it's like trying to figure out that balance like how do you accept (laughs) less than your standard so I don't know but yes so ADHD has been a daily struggle. I used to be on Adderall for it, which was yeah. dangerous. I got like way too skinny. Um, and it just, I mean, it's, it's like crystal meth, you know what I mean? Like you just, I was folding my socks like army style. I was like, all my shirts were like rolled up in tight little balls in the closet. Like it was just batshit crazy. So I got off of that thankfully. And, uh, Yeah. Did you have any side effects coming off of it or like withdrawal symptoms? I had like, so I I always had like restless leg growing up, right? Okay. Just horrible restless leg. I can't sit still to save my life. You'll probably see me here. I'm like constantly moving. It got way worse when I got off of that for a little bit. But then honestly, though, it it was pretty easy. I, I have a pretty good, um, ability to quit things i know that might sound weird but like i was like a pretty bad alcoholic too from like the time i was 17 to 25 just like a monster just with drinking and it wasn't so much that i was like dangerous it was just it was shitty behavior like it totally it could go one way i could be a total asshole or i could be like just in a different world having fun but it was just detrimental to like life in general but uh yeah i've always been able to quit stuff i don't have too many bad side effects i guess or withdrawal symptoms it's just once i set my mind to it i can usually do it but uh i say that and then at the same time too like i'm still addicted to nicotine so i I, you know it's a it's a tough battle sometimes um I think subs- the substance, and I'm not using substance necessarily the word, like a legal substance, but like, caffeine is a substance too, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on the substance and how it affects your brain and the ability to detox. And is it just a physical thing in the body, like a chemical thing in the body? Is it a physical thing that you're used to doing like a habit? Is it also partly mental? And I feel like all of those components matter. As to how addicting something is. Yeah. Yeah. So like for Adderall, it was, I, my body was done with it. Like I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I wasn't like taking care of myself at all. So when I like finally made that like conscious, like, oh, it's because I'm taking, you know, 40 grams of Adderall every day or 40 milligrams, whatever it is. Were you taking Adderall and drinking alcohol at the same time? For, um... Yeah, for a short period. And then I got sober. I got sober in October of 2016. And we can get into that in a minute. But yeah, so I was doing that. But I was also drinking energy drinks, uh, coffee, smoking cigarettes, uh, vaping, just doing all this crazy shit that, you know, most people be like, oh, whatever, you're working, you're working outside, you're on a landscape crew, whatever. But it just it was like destroying my body. Like I I'm always sore. I was constantly sore then, but you just take another Adderall and you just keep going. It's like you're a machine when you're on it. And alcohol is a depressant, whereas things like Adderall, caffeine, 
I'm not sure about nicotine, but Adderall, caffeine, and things like that, those are uppers. So then you're mixing the two. And that's why, what is, it, what is it that people mix? It's like Monster and some type of alcohol or Red Bull and something, right? And then it can be almost deadly because it's an upper and a downer at the same time. Um, Are you talking about like Jaeger bombs, like Red Bull and Jaegermeister and stuff like that? or Maybe. I, I don't drink, so I'm like the worst person to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's some, it's some type of energy drink. I thought it was monster, but I could be wrong. And then they were like doing then shots of alcohol too. And I'm like, that's so bad. Yeah. That was the first time I ever got drunk. I did like three or four Jaeger bombs. It was like at my cousin's house and it was just insane. So like my dad was, is an alcoholic and was when I was growing up and everything. So I was like very anti-drinking. Yep. Um, Wanted nothing to do with it, hated it, you know, claimed I was straight edge, all this stuff. But I was at the same time, too, a contradiction. I was smoking cigarettes and like doing chewing tobacco and playing sports and all this other stuff. But like I was so anti-drinking. And then like my senior year, I went to like my cousin's house. He had this big house party and uh, just like peer pressure and all this other stuff. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to drink. And then it was like just downhill from there, like just zero (laughs) self-control. From that point forward, um, I had a few times where I like quit for like a month or here or there, but um, the worst, like I'm in college, I was out every night drinking. I was my first year of college. I had just Tuesdays and Thursdays. I went to community college. I only went on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was drinking Monday nights too. So it was just, it was bad. But uh, in October of 2016, we went to my cousin's wedding and it was just such a total shit show. Like I would, Rosie was pregnant at the time with our son and I wasn't even going to go to this wedding. And they like, how do I explain? So they invited me to be in the wedding like last minute. So they were like, can you, someone bailed out of there and they're like, can you be in the wedding? And I was like, no, like at the time we weren't making like any money. I couldn't afford to do that. And I was like, I'm not going to leave my pregnant wife like sitting there while I'm dancing with some other like for this stupid ceremony that I don't really believe in to begin with. And my cousin was like, all right, yeah, no problem. No worries. But then my aunt like made a huge deal out of it and was like, how can he do this? And I'm like, well, you didn't invite me in the first place. I was like a backup person. Yeah. So there's all this like negative energy going into this wedding to begin with. And then I started drinking at like eight o'clock in the morning that day. And it was just, it was bad. So we get there and the wedding's on top of a mountain, high altitude. I'm already plastered at this point. And they had like no food. It was like little finger foods and they had, but they spent all the money on like craft beer. So I'm just like pounding these high alcohol content beers, no food in my system at high altitude. And I just, Plus all the drama of like being around people from high school and like everyone was like, I don't think anyone was judging, but like my aunt was being judgy towards Rosie because we're not married and she's pregnant. It was just like this whole like shit show in my mind. And I just like lost my goddamn mind during this wedding (laughs) and we left and I was like threatening to kill my, I mean, it was, it was a nightmare. It was bad. And that like, my parents had to come and it was just a whole thing. And Rosie was like, 
do you want to be in your kid, your, your son's life? And I was like, yeah. She's like, then get, get your shit together. And that was it. Like, I was like, okay. And I just, I quit drinking and I haven't drank, but I did. So being sober, I was like kind of afraid of alcohol. Like I didn't want to go near it. I didn't trust myself. So this Thanksgiving, I kind of came to this epiphany. I was like, I'm living in fear of this. I'm living in fear of what this does to me. I, I don't think I can control myself. So I was like, I'm going to do a test. I'm going to have one glass of wine. This is the first time I drank in six years. So I was like, I'm going to have one glass of wine and just, I'm not going to let myself have any more. I'm just going to try that and see if I can do it. And I did. I had one glass of wine. It did nothing for me. And I was like, okay, I've conquered this now. Like now I've actually, even though I was sober for six years, I didn't feel like I actually conquered it because I was still like in fear of it. So being able to have one glass of wine, realize it's disgusting. I really don't like the way it tastes at all. It did nothing for me. And I was like, okay, now I can kind of put that baggage away, yeah. get rid of it. And yeah, I, I consider myself still sober. Like, I'm not going to say I'll never have a glass of wine, but yeah. I've conquered that like demon. And I think I have it under control. You know, yeah, you, it was you proving to yourself that it wasn't just something you were holding at bay, that it was something that you were in control instead of it being in control of you. Exactly. Like, And it's so weird because like, I can't even smell like certain liquors now. Like I can't smell Jack Daniels. That was like my drink of choice when I was teaching. I was just going through bottles of that a week, but, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't do beer. Beer just makes me want to puke just even smelling it. And yeah, I feel like I can have wine in the house. I'm not, there's no temptation anymore. Yeah. It has zero control over me. And that was like a really liberating feeling to be able to finally get to that point where I'm not living in fear. Like, Oh, I, I, I can't even touch it. Cause I'll turn into a wild animal type thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you use any alcohol in cooking? So, like, sometimes when I make beef dishes, like, I'll use a little bit of red wine, or sometimes if we're doing brats, like, I'll cook them in um, beer. Mm -hmm. So, is that yeah. do you do that, or is that yeah? Different? So, that's actually how it started because we, I was making a uh, French onion soup, and you need to put port wine in. Yeah. And I was like, let me just try. Like, I'm going to conquer this now. So I, you know, made the thing, and I, I had cooked with alcohol before. I don't use beer because there's like gluten and wheat in there. Yeah. But, um, and my son has got celiacs and we don't really use a lot of gluten products anymore. But, uh, yeah. So I have no issues cooking with alcohol because that cooks all the alcohol out of it and you just get the flavor. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how it, that test started was doing that. But, um, I love cooking. We can get into cooking too because that's one of those things that, is uh, very intuitive for me. I didn't grow up. My mom grew up in restaurants, like her family owned restaurants. And she was like working from the time she was like six years old, always being around food. And my mom is an, she's not a bad cook, but she's like a, how do I say, like an efficient cook. Like she just cooks food. Like she'll cook large quantities of food that are okay, but they're not like, it's not made with like love. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Like she can cook. So I don't know. I just, I was kind of fed up with how she was cooking and I just kind of learned how to do it myself. And I just went down that whole rabbit hole, just trying things out, just really intuitive stuff. Like let's mix this spice with that spice. Let's put this here. So 
cooking is a huge part of uh, my family life now. That, that's like the one thing I really feel like I have control over to like, I don't know. I just put so much love into any, any meal I make that I know it's going to taste good no matter what. Yeah. Cooking and baking or just cooking? Just cooking. I can't do baking because it's too precise. Like, okay. It's, I don't know. You would think being so OCD that I would like that, that it's like exact measurements and stuff, but I always mess it up no matter what. It just, I can't do baking. It's, it's weird. See, I prefer baking, but I can also do cooking. But if I had to choose one, I would bake all day. Yeah. See, I, I can't do the baking. And Rosie's the same way. She's, she's the baker in the house. She is just good at it. I, I don't know what it is. I don't have the touch for it. It's, I leave things in too long. I don't leave them in enough. I don't make, I think because it's precise, it like turns me off. Cause like, I like the idea of cooking. It's so chaotic. I can just throw yeah this much oil and this much salt and this much oregano, this here, let, let's fry this up. Let's throw this in the air fryer. Let's see what this happens. You know? So there's something about that that just, I don't know. It's like controlled chaos for me. So yeah. No, I I can definitely see that. There are times though that like I'll be baking something and I'll, the only thing we use our microwave for is the timer because mm-hmm. it beeps obnoxiously. So it's the only thing we actually use our microwave for. And so I'll set, let's say I'm making cookies and I'll set the timer. And before the timer goes off, I'll go in and take the cookies out. And my husband will be like, the timer hasn't gone off. I was like, yeah, but I can smell that they're done. So we're good. And he's like, I was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I, they're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's Rosie. That's, <laughs> but, uh, going off food, I guess we can go into like childhood obesity a little bit because this was me and my brother were like morbidly obese as little kids. <laughs> it's like something that no one believes. I'll send you a picture from when I was in like eighth grade, but, uh, yeah, we just, we had like the worst diet growing up. We drank soda. My mom would just, I mean, we'd eat fast food all the time. And just like frozen stuff, like frozen meals, just junk food. And we were lazy. Like we were just like video game kids. We we would go outside sometimes, but like for the most part, we were very lazy. And I don't know. It, it's my parents worked a lot. Like my dad was a lawyer. My mom was his secretary. They worked like 24-7. You know what I mean? They really yeah. did. So I don't know. Me and my brother just got so fat and I remember one time we were at the doctor's and the doctor was kind of overweight and he was like said something and my brother was like well I wouldn't talk but it just stuck with me like we are fat like this is not normal like I look back at pictures from like fifth grade and I weighed like more than I do now yeah it's so that was a weird that had to do with like confidence and other stuff like that which throws you off growing up but uh at what point did you I guess realize and or decide to make a change and what were those changes were they changing the way you ate is that why you got into cooking or how did that happen yeah so I actually remember the the moment we were camping and when I say camping we were glamping like my parents had big camper all that stuff and it was a beautiful day out and I was sitting on the couch in the camper watching a movie on the TV and I was shoving Cheetos in my face and I had like all the Cheeto dust on my hand. And I just remember I had this, I was in eighth grade or going into eighth grade. So it was like the summer of seventh grade. And I just remember looking at my hand 
And I was like, I'm disgusted. Like, this is, why am I doing this? We're camping right now. And I'm sitting inside of an RV watching a movie and it's beautiful. And I, I was like, looking at this like cheese dust on my hand. And I was like, I, I want to lick this off, but I went and washed my hands and I just went for a bike ride. And the next year in school, I signed up for wrestling. Uh, that got me in crazy good shape. I lost so much weight doing that. And I learned it's kind of like, you know, wrestling, how to defend yourself, just, yeah. you know, sportsman stuff. But yeah, that was, that was the moment where I was like, I got to I got to change. And then I dropped all this weight. I lost like 40 pounds between eighth and ninth grade. And then I shot up too. So I was, you know, taller, I was short for, for a while. But uh, yeah, and then ever since, it's just, I don't want to say I have like a body image issues, but like, I always feel like that fat kid still, you know, and I'm always so afraid to go back. To, like, I really, it's, I, I'm very conscious of like how much I eat now and I don't want to get to that point because when Rosie was pregnant, I gained 30 pounds. I, I pick up all her like sympathy pains. It's very bizarre. I don't know if that has to do with being an empath, but you I have wish sympathy I could... pains when she was in labor too. Not so much like l- the labor pains, but I was, I mean, I was right there with her the whole time and she was like breaking my arm. Yeah. So there was that pain <laughs> of it, but yeah, it was weird. I gained 30 pounds and I was like, this is, how did this happen? Like I was working outside. I was teaching. It was like, how, I can't explain it other than it was just like empathy. Like, were you eating the snacks when she was eating the snacks? Sometimes it was weird. It was like just so bizarre. So I'm not pregnant, but I eat way more than my husband does. Mm-hmm. And after like, I don't know, maybe six, seven months of knowing me, he's like, I can't eat every time you offer me food. He's like, I will be 300 pounds. He's like, I don't know where you put it. So that's why I was asking if you were eating the snacks when she was eating the snacks. Cause he was at one point trying to like, okay, yeah, you're offering me food. I'll take it. And he got to a point. He's like, I can't like no more. Yeah. Probably. Well, I was cooking more. Like I was definitely making more quantities of food at the time, yeah. but I don't know. I think just like the stress of it too. Yeah. Like I know I'm, I'm saying the stress of being pregnant. Like I had something to, you know what I mean? But it, it was, it was like stressful going to these doctor's appointments, constantly worrying about stuff. Yeah. I think, new life, life changing yeah. event. Yeah. So that, I think it was more of like a stress thing for me and I was stress eating more for sure. But yeah, it's uh weight is always like one of those things that I'm like so conscious about. And I, it sounds so bad. Cause like, I'm not, trying to be like fat shaming or anything like that it's just one of those things for me where it's like you gotta i don't know it might be a body image issue or something i feel like weight naturally fluctuates throughout our years Mm -hmm. but there becomes a point where it becomes unhealthy and that's not necessarily when the cdc and the bmi whatever like and that's not what i'm talking about it's to your point you could have been uber skinny but if you're still laying on the couch as a kid and eating cheetos and not exercising you're still not healthy and so in our house we don't use words like fat or skinny or diet it's are we making healthy choices are we being healthy about it yeah no that that's so true and 
like I said, when I was on Adderall, I was like down to 155 pounds. Like I was skinny. I looked great. My uh, arms looked amazing, you know, but like I wasn't healthy. Like (laughs) there was no like nutrients going into my body. I was, it was terrible. So yeah, I just, that's my whole thing. I just want to be healthy and like conscious of things that are going in. And now it's like even worse with everything going on in the world and really learning about like all the shit that's actually in food and trying to eat a more natural, like real diet. Have you, so I don't have like OC about like a lot of things, but there was a point where I started to basically obsess over food and EMF and the dyes and the sugars and the, is it grass fed and is it organic? And is it this chemical? And I literally had to take a step back and I was like, I am stressing out more of trying to be perfect in all the ways than if I just sometimes use the package box of rice or the regular Berea pasta instead of the organic one. Like I'd be like, but there's metal shavings in the other one. Like I can't do it. And like, it's, it's, it's okay. Like don't do it all the time. But like that stress of worrying about it was almost worse than eating the quote unquote bad thing. Yeah. And it it's so true because it's when we found out my son has celiacs, we went like balls to the wall, like everything. Yeah. We, we cleared all the stuff out. Like I gave, I don't know how many pounds of pasta to like our neighbors. I got rid of everything that had gluten in it. Yeah. And you do, you start to go insane. You're like, yeah. Oh wait, what is this? What? And then there's so many things that are labeled healthy. Like, Oh, this is gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, whatever. But then you look and it's like, Oh, there's so many sodium benzenate, blah, blah, blah. It's like you get to the point where you're like, all right, there's things that are natural, things that come out of the earth. That's good. But it's okay to have a little bit of process. Like it's just plus the expense of it. Like, yeah, it's like we all went gluten free, but then it just got to the point where it was like, this is too expensive to afford to feed the whole family this way. Like, so now we just our son has his whole you know, corner of the pantry, that's all his gluten-free, dairy-free stuff. But now we will eat it sometimes, but it's much more like, you know, we eat regular pasta and things now too, just for expense reasons. And it's a pain in the butt because you got to cook everything separate, but it is what it is. You know, you can't complain about that. Um, But yeah, no, you start to hyper fixate on every little thing in there and that's that, that can kind of segue into like the religious stuff too. Cause like, yeah, I went, I was kosher for five years when I went through this like Hebrew roots movement thing. And just for anyone that doesn't know. So I had a really weird, uh, lucid dream when I was in college, right before I graduated that put me on this whole like truth seeking I was always into like conspiracies, even like back in high school, like the 9-11, the JFK, the, the standard conspiracy, yep. the Illuminati stuff. Um, but in like 2013 is when I really like jumped down the rabbit hole and I was trying to figure out like what happened. It, in my opinion, it was like a demonic attack during a lucid dream that turned into sleep paralysis and it just screwed me up for a long time. So I started really looking for everything and it led me down this like religious path where it's like this was a demonic attack. And so I went down this whole thing. So I started really looking into Christianity and 
I don't know, YouTube was different back then. You could find a lot yeah. more stuff on there. And I was watching this one channel, it was like called The Vigilant Christian. And then it started leading me into these like the Seventh Day Advent stuff and just more like scripturally based Christianity. I grew yep. up Greek Orthodox, which okay. really has nothing to do with like yep. they don't really read the Bible or nope. like Catholics that. don't either. Yep. So I was like, okay, so this is all, that was all BS. Like now I want to find the real truth. So I started really going down it. And basically I came to the Hebrew roots movement, which is the idea that true Christian, like Jesus was teaching the Torah. Like the whole idea is like the, the new Testament didn't exist when Jesus was around. It was written after his time, okay, which makes sense. Yep. And uh, so it was like, so what was Jesus actually teaching? So the idea is he was teaching the law of the Torah. And I don't know. I mean, I've come to the conclusion now that like he abolished those laws in a way like we're not that was for a different time, whether yep. that was deep yep. state propaganda or whatever it was like we don't have to strictly follow those. But at the time I was trying to strictly follow the laws of the Torah. Yep. Yep. And so I was kosher and I wouldn't eat any pork, no sh shellfish, anything like that. Um wouldn't cut my beard. It was just like this whole whole phase I went through. And uh, I was an asshole. I was a total asshole during that time. Because here I'm thinking I'm living this like righteous life, but I was really judgmental of everyone else. I was not open-minded at all. I was really like, and I wasn't even like following it like to a T either. Like I was flawed in so many ways with that, but like it just, it was bad. And then I met Ro Rosie and I was kind of like phasing out of that like getting out of that thing because for a while i was into like metaphysical stuff and uh more i guess occult things like yep. kind of learning about that kind of aspects of yep. it and things like that and then i did a complete 180 and was like this is all evil this is devil worship this is nonsense right and i meet rosie and she's a yoga teacher and she's doing like this ayurvedic life and she's got crystals and essential oils and all this stuff and I was like, oh, I'm sleeping with the enemy. Like, what's going on here? So it, I, and I was an asshole. I'll just admit it. I was like kind of a piece of shit for, and I was like, I don't want you doing any of this stuff. I was very controlling and she didn't listen. I mean, she just did her own thing, which I'm grateful for. But yeah. And then I don't know. It was randomly like we got pregnant. Or Rosie got pregnant right away, like six months into us being together. And I'll rem I remember it was like November of 2016. We were kind of struggling for money a little bit and whatnot. And I just, I had this eye-opening moment and I was like, this is all bullshit. This is all bullshit. This, this belief system that I'm like trying so hard to incorporate into my life that I'm not really incorporating that was written God knows how long ago for a time that is not today. And I was like, looking at the prices of pork at the supermarket. And I was like, this is really cheap. Like we can afford to buy a lot of pork <laughs> and I don't see any, like, you know what I mean? It just, so I kind of phased out of that. I still wasn't like totally on board with the metaphysical stuff yet. I still thought like tarot cards were bad and talking to mediums. And what I'll say is like, you just have to use your discernment with this stuff. Like, yep. hundred hundred percent agree. Like there are some people that use these type of things for bad purposes. You know, there are people that summon demons to hurt people like this is real. But just because some people do it doesn't mean everyone that's doing that is 
evil. And it's just like a gun, you know, you can use a gun to hunt for your family and provide a beautiful meal, or you can do something terrible and hurt people. And to, I guess, do the other side of tarot cards, and someone's probably going to get mad at me for this, just because there were some priests or pastors or church leaders who did horrible things to children doesn't mean that every church leader will do horrible things to children. Exactly. That doesn't make all of church bad or all of religion bad. There's bad people in every profession. Mm -hmm. And they have to, unfortunately, I think they have to exist to kind of shine that light on the good because it's like, we can't have good without darkness. And you just, again, you have to just do your research on things, ask questions, you know, like if you're in church and you feel like there's something sketchy going on, ask questions. And if it turns out that you're right and there's something weird going on, leave that church, (laughs) you know, doesn't mean leave the faith completely, but just maybe do your own thing. And my biggest thing was like, there's no going off the teachings of Jesus, we shouldn't be going to a church. And I'm not saying church is bad at all. If people go to church, that's great. If it works for you, wonderful. But you don't need the church. You can worship in your home. You can worship what, you know. So after years of all this stuff, I would kind of consider myself a Christian mystic where I have a relationship with Jesus. I believe a lot of the Bible, I think a lot of it is been corrupted when they wrote the King James version. But uh, I also think that there is a huge, heavy occult side to all this stuff too. And I think a lot of the ancient people probably knew this knowledge. And for whatever reason, the Catholic church or whatever powers that be have decided to suppress that to kind of keep us under control. Yeah, no. And I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I had my own struggle because I was raised Catholic of, well, then all church is bad. And then the pandemic and I wanted to go back into a church building because I missed the community. But when the world went weird, that wasn't an option, right? Like everyone, things were shut down and we all know what happened. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until very recently that I actually started going back to a physical church. And it's not Catholic. It's like a non-denominational Christian. But even I can remember as a child, oh, they're just, um, they're just crazy about Jesus. They're in a cult. They're, you know. And anything that wasn't in the group, anything that wasn't Catholic was bad, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that goes to a lot of group mentalities. So insert whatever group you want here. You only believe in crystals and magic, or you only believe in insert monotheistic God here. You only believe in the old Norse gods or the old... whatever, right? And then you, like you said, you become so focused on that one belief system that everyone else is wrong and you become an asshole Mm -hmm. as opposed to being open-minded and being like, okay, well, is there something that I can learn from these other people? Maybe I don't have to agree or believe in it, but can I at least be open to it? And I feel like that if you're not open-minded and everyone else is wrong and you're an asshole about it, you're probably in a cult. 100%. And I would... Again, I'm not going to paint with a broad brush. I'm sure there's some people that live very good lives doing this Hebrew root stuff. But for me, it it seemed very cultish, you know, like any when it starts getting like, I'm not going to say violent, but like aggressive towards other belief systems. And like when it starts pushing censorship of other stuff, that's when like red flags start going up. 
Like, Did you ask questions or no? So I never went into like a physical church. I was like following a lot of different people online. And okay. I went on to a couple, not even subreddit, but like chat boards for these things. And there was like a, a Hebrew roots church in Kingston. But again, like going back to my intuition, I wanted to go, but I was like, something's not right here. Like, I'm not going to do that. So I was kind of doing my own thing while claiming to be part of this group. And then I started realizing like this group is weird. Like it, it there's certain, I don't know that like people like give Islam like a hard time, like, cause it's so violent towards other cultures. But I noticed it was similar to that too. Like, you know, we need to ban these like witches. We need to ban this. This should not be allowed to be taught to people. And it's like, well, now we're just being ignorant. Like, yeah. Like it's our job as parents. Like, I mean, we deal with this all the time. Like I don't believe in half the shit that they teach my kid at school, but it's my job as a parent to talk with him and be like, okay, well they're teaching you this, but here's how I see it. And this is why I see it this way. And I don't believe the school is correct, but I'm not going to like say we need to burn the school down. You know what I mean? Like it's exactly. So yeah, that was a big, like, huge eye-opening change. And then I was starting to look more into like the occult stuff. This is from like 20. So I, I kind of blue pilled myself for quote unquote, after my son was born, I was like, let's just, I'm going to try to put conspiracy stuff away and all this crazy stuff and just focus on being a dad, focus on working, focus on all this. But it's one of those situations where it's like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yep. So like, no matter what, you're always seeing stuff, like, especially in like kid shows, you're like, oh, that's yeah. weird. Why did they put that in there? That's an odd thing to do. And like, that's a very adult joke. Yeah, exactly. And then like, even like the medical stuff they push in these kids shows, like make sure you get your shots and make sure, you know, this train is sick. Let's go to the thing and get our fuel injection. And it's like, you start seeing this stuff and you're like, this is bizarre. Like this is yeah. just predictive programming to its finest. And so it never goes away completely. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, like, Kind of blue pilled myself, but I was still looking into things like still like you can't you can't get rid of that itch. And then, of course, 2020 happened. And then I bought into it for like a couple weeks. You know, I was like, yep, this is weird. Something's off here. And then I noticed that like commercials that were on TV that I had seen a day before are now on again. But people have masks photoshopped over their face. It's the same exact commercial, but they have a mask on and it's clearly like this was edited in there. I was like, oh, okay, this is, and then we just moved on from there. But I started really um, going down this more metaphysical, uh, spiritual, quote unquote, belief system in, uh, in like 2021. And I know Rosie's talked to you a little bit about it, but we had this pretty traumatic event happen in uh, the winter of 2021 that led us to be in court for two years. And it was all a bunch of nonsense and drawn out and ridiculous. And we can get into that another time. I'm not going to dwell, dwell too much into that, but it just, a lot of good came out of that too. Mm -hmm. And it just made me like really focus on bettering myself, bettering our family. And with that, this metaphysical stuff kind of came along with it, getting into crystals and more, I guess, esoteric belief systems. And then, you know, Rosie has her thing that she's been doing forever and became more open to that. And the biggest thing I learned, though, is like you can't force anything on anyone. Like if you're trying to teach 
like, and this, this goes for literally anything. You cannot force anything on anyone because no one's going to learn at all. Like there's obviously some stuff you have to do as a parent. Like, no, you can't run out in traffic. Like that's bad. You will get hurt. Like there's certain things you have to really enforce, but like any belief system, you have to just plant the seeds, tell people what, what it is. And if they're open to it, great. If they're not, just let it be like, you can't, you really can't force anything. I was reading a book and it was a controversial topic and the author or well, if it was the author, author was quoting someone, but basically the idea was when they were going to be talking about a controversial topic or um, something that didn't align with the person's belief system, even if it wasn't controversial, the question that would first be asked is, are you open to new information? And if the person says no, that's cool. We don't, we'll talk about something else then. But if they say yes, then they are. And then you can have that conversation. But just spewing all this information at them probably for most people isn't the best way to get your point across. And those little seeds can be great, but sometimes even those little seeds people get really um, irritated with, irritated and upset about. Mm-hmm. Like you ask them a question to like make them think and they get very like have this visceral response and you're like, I just asked a question. Yeah. And that's another thing too. Like us as like the truth community, we have to be self-aware of things like what seeds are being thrown at us sometimes where we're like, we have that visceral response. And it's like, that's something that I'm really trying to be like conscious of is like, I'm not going to totally, I don't watch the news. I'm so disassociated from reality for the most part. But if someone says something and I instantly have like that bad reaction to it, I'm like, wait a minute, let me think about that. What is their point here? Is there something that I can, I don't have to agree with it, but is there something I can learn from this or like, I want to understand why they believe that now. You want to respond, not react. Exactly. I want to res- like have something, sit with it, think about it, and then give like a, a logical, honest response. Yep. Not just like, fuck, ah, that's crazy. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, yep. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, we were, yeah. So I was saying with the, the truth community is like, we have to kind of check ourselves too, because not all of them, like there's still, we say it all the time. There's a grain of truth in everything. So it's like, right. where is that grain of truth? What are they trying to push? What are they trying to do? How can we learn from this? How can we combat it? I mean, I'm a firm believer in like knowing your enemy and knowing right. the others, like that's just debating one-on-one. Like you have to know the other person's argument better than they do. If you want to yeah. win a debate. Yeah. Like, so many people just don't respect that or or think about that at all. Like, and that was like another thing too. Like when I was doing all this like Hebrew roots study, I was learning more occult stuff than I had ever learned before because I was trying to combat it, you know? And, but then you start reading and you're like, well, that's not necessarily bad. Like they're not necessarily, like they're just using plants for medicine. Like, is that really bad? God made plants. Like, right. That's weird, like that you don't think you should. It's such a weird community because it's like they they want to be like so like out of the system, but also it, it's it's like this group mentality, this my uh what's the word mob mentality type thing too. So it's it's very bizarre, but yeah, I wanted to ask you actually, like, how did you get into like the energy healing and things like that? Because it's one of those topics that's like a lot of people that claim to be Christian get very uncomfortable with this idea and i'm under the belief now that like everything is made by god right Mm -hmm. the creator whatever you want to call it everything is made by god crystals whatever energy 
if you're using it for nefarious purposes, like obviously that's not good. But like, how have you kind of gotten into that and incorporated it? That's so the first thing I will say is because I initially I struggled with that very thing. And there are people besides Jesus in the Bible who can lay hands and heal. Who's to say that that gift went away? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. how I got into it, um, when I met Mike, my husband, um, he was, it was kind of like you and Rosie, but the roles were reversed where I was you and he was Rosie. And he had the oils and the herbs and the crystals and all the books. And I'm like, I don't quite know how I feel about that. Like I was a Lutheran Sunday school teacher and, but I was like, okay, like you do you, but all right. And I'd gotten really sick with basically a bronchitis and I'd done all the Western medicine and it wasn't working. And he's like, can I just put some essential oils in a diffuser? And I actually slept that night for the first time. and I didn't know how long. And so I started to, he also taught me how to like trust my intuition and these things that I had done as a child that I intuitively did, I had repressed as I got older because they weren't the right thing to do. And his back was hurting one night and something in me was like, can I just like, I just want to try something. Can you just like lay on the floor on your stomach? And he was like, all right. So I put my hands on him and I didn't really know what I was doing. I wasn't massaging. It was like just resting my palms on his back and I would move them and I could like feel the energy flowing through me. And after a period of time, I don't know how long, maybe 10, 20 minutes. I was like, okay. I was like, how do you feel? And he's like, what did you do? I was like, I don't know, but I know you feel better. And he's like, I do, but do you know what you did? I was like, no, I didn't pray. I didn't um, do anything. It was just very intuitive. And he had also sent me for my first Reiki. He paid for it. And I thought it was a bunch of woo-woo BS and also realized that it wasn't. So those two experiences helped me realize there's something to this. And then I remembered as a child during all my arm surgeries, when something really, really hurt, I would imagine a syringe going into my arm and the syringe being drawn up and what was being drawn up was the pain, then I would throw it away. And that's how I would control my pain. Well, that's basically Reiki, energy healing, whatever. And I'd been doing that as a child intuitively. No one ever taught me. And I thought everyone did it. And I explained it one day and I don't know if it was to my, a doctor or my parents or maybe it was like in a doctor's appointment. So they both heard it. And they're like, that's, that's different. So it's like meditation. I was like, I don't know, but it works. Apparently that's not a normal thing to do. No, it it isn't. And it's, that's amazing, that story. And I, I've had similar experiences with that, like just trying to like help Rosie out with massage or whatever, but I've noticed like some, I can't explain how I do it. I don't know how it works. I can't replicate it. So that's where it falls into like the problem with like science proving it with the scientific method. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think it has a lot to do with your intention and what kind of energy you're putting into it. But one of the, and a, a thing that happened that really like made me believe in all this was my son was like, I want to say he was like two and a half, three. And we were at this family Easter event thing. And my cousin just had a baby and the baby was like in the little like, like, Car seat, rocker, yeah, 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 sitting there and just screaming her head off, like just screaming, like coughing, like you could tell the baby was like colicky. It just just was uncomfortable. Yeah, and my son walked up to this baby. He put his hand on like her stomach area, and he just was like sitting there looking at her and doing that. And then all of a sudden, she just pooped, and I mean, it was like a blowout. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then she started smiling and laughing. And I was like, 
did he just make her poop? Like, like what just happened here? I was like, what just happened? Like, my cousin was like, what's, oh my God, like, clean the diaper up and everything. But I was like, I think, I said to Rosie, I was like, did he just like heal her? Did he just like make her go to the bathroom? <laughs> yep. And it was like one of those like weird little moments where we were like, holy shit, that happened. Like, I can't ignore that fact yeah. that this baby was crying. My son went up, put his hand on her stomach and very gently, like, you like, how like did two he... at the time, two and a half, maybe yeah. three, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he just did it. And I was like, what? Like, wow. Like that, that was just mind blowing. And you're like, of course, maybe it was a coincidence. Who knows? But that just really like, okay, there's something actually to this. And then of course I've had, you know, even just talking sometimes can be like healing it's weird like you said you visualize like the syringe pulling yeah. out but sometimes even just like i've had like random back pains or like my hips are terrible like my I, i'm probably gonna need like hip replacements because they're just so like worn out but sometimes just talking about the pain all of a sudden it's like it's not there anymore it's weird like, you know what i mean so there's something to that like putting that intention towards it and yeah i don't know i, I can't explain it but I know it's real and that's that. <laughs> well, there'll be times like if I'm in a lot of pain or um, if I have a cold or whatever, as I'm going to bed, I'll say in my head um, something like, you know, if I have a sore throat and a stuffy nose, you know, I'm thankful my immune system is working. And that's not putting the assumption that I'm going to be better, but I know that my immune system is working and being grateful for that. And then Am I magically healed in the morning? No. But do I notice an improvement in symptoms? Yes. Could it just be because it's the next day and the symptoms gradually go down? Sure. But even if I nap, it's the same thing. And someone could say it's sleep. So to your point, is it science? Like you can't prove it. It's just personal experiences. But for me, sometimes, actually most of the time now, personal experiences mean more than something you can prove quote-unquote yeah no exactly and that goes into like that whole word magic aspect of it too like instead of saying oh i'm sick i have a sinus infection or i have strep throat or whatever you're saying i'm thankful my immune system's working now your subconscious is telling your immune system it's working yep and it's doing its job yep. and you're not putting that negative s word into there you're not that you're improving you're getting better and that's a game like it's so, I don't want to say dumb, it's so simple that it's like unbelievable sometimes, but mm-hmm. just not using these negative words really has such a crazy impact on every, like, I've even noticed that with like trying to cope with ADHD and things like that. Like, this is not overwhelming. I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know? And it's like, okay, so just get it done then. Like the dishes are not a problem. I just don't want to do them. And I could do 5,000 other things instead of the dishes. So let's just get the dishes done. And yeah, it, it, it's really crazy how we can just trick ourselves with negative speak and just self-sabotage constantly. Even because um, I mainly work from home and my husband works outside of the home. So I am the one that tends to do the errands and the house cleaning and things like that. Not to say he never helps, but that's more my job. And so there'll be times that I'm like, oh, I have to go to the store or I have to do the dishes or no, no, 
I get to do the dishes because that means we had food and I was able to prepare a meal and we weren't going hungry. And so dishes are a good thing. I get to do the dishes. I get to go to the store because that means we have the money for me to be able to put gas in the car to run the errand to get the food or whatever I'm getting. And it doesn't always work because sometimes you're having that moment and you're having a bad day and you have that grr. But trying to do that mind mindset shift can be really helpful. Yeah. And that's, I mean, really, if you want to talk about like magic, like that's what it is. Right. It's it's creating that reality where now it's not overwhelming. You're grateful that you had that opportunity to have a big meal, to have all these dishes. Now you can clean them and have fresh dishes for your family. Like it really is. It's just, I don't want to say it's tricking yourself, but it's, it is. It, it's convincing. reprogramming yourself. Yeah. That's what it yeah. is. Cause we've been programmed and indoctrinated to everything is a chore. Everything is an inconvenience unless it's exactly what I want to do and makes me happy. And so if I'm not doing exactly what I want to do and it's making me happy, then everything else is causing me misery. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. So we have to reprogram ourselves to think differently. And it's a choice you have to make, an active daily choice, sometimes hourly choice, sometimes minutely choice, depending on how your day's going. Exactly. And yeah, reprogram. That's just like, it's a word that's been coming up so much lately is like reprogramming, like reprogramming from school, like the stuff that they teach them reprogramming. Like now that this court thing's over, it's like getting back to like this normal, this is our rules now. This is, let's get back to the way it was. So I don't know. Reprogramming is just such a interesting concept and like reprogramming our ideas of how physics work in this realm. Like, why can't, I mean, people believe in the Bible. They believe Jesus was healing people and other people were healing people with their hands. We, we, you know, people firmly believe that, but then they'll turn around and say, but we need to go to the doctor. And it's like, well, let's reprogram that thought. If this was possible and we are going to hold this book to a high standard, why can't it be real now? Like, you know, it's it's something that's like really frustrating to me sometimes because like you, well, you, you say you believe this stuff, but then when it comes down to it, you don't actually believe it. And that's, I don't know. That integrity is just such a huge thing for me. It's like, I want to make sure I have integrity with literally everything I do. And if I say something, I'm actually practicing it or at least trying to imply, you know, in my life. Well, and for some people, if the word integrity isn't resonating with you, Try the word faith because having faith is really freaking hard sometimes. Faith that that court case will work out. Faith that, um, you know, you can clear up that sinus infection at home without going to the doctor. Now, obviously, are there times that you should go seek professional medical help? Absolutely. Don't be stupid. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, in most circumstances, you can heal yourself, whether it's with energy or herbs or oils or um, heck, just taking a hot shower or using a neti pot, right? Like it doesn't have to be complicated. Right. And that's why there's so much problems with the medical, like you go to urgent care for whatever reason, and there's 20 people there because they all have a stuffy nose. And it's like, if we all just, you know, didn't freak out because of this stuffy nose, we all, you know, drink some tea yeah. Let your body rest and heal itself. We wouldn't have a line this big. So it could be used for what it's used for, like actual emergencies. Right. And stuff. So, 
Yeah, it's interesting. But uh, back to like the energy healing stuff. What do you like? What do you use as like tools to do this? Do you use any tools? Crystals? So it's uh, really intuitive. So Mm -hmm. I have crystals. I have feathers. I have um, Palo Santo. I have sage. um, I have a bunch of different things. But I don't have a formula that I use on every single person. Mm -hmm. It's what do I feel in the moment? Sometimes it's I just use my hands. Sometimes, depending upon the part of the body, I don't, I hover over and I don't touch their body, right? Like hover my hands over. Um, It's not a, there's not a formula that I can teach you. And I actually wanted to talk to you about, um, so I can, I'm a Reiki master and teacher, but I haven't taught anybody Reiki yet because for me, when you teach someone, especially energy healing, it's a very sacred thing. And so I know there's people that will do, Reiki events every other Sunday and they pump out students like boom, 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 boom. And maybe that's great for them. That's not how I feel it should be. Like you should be very invested in it in many ways. Um, So I was going to talk to you off air about that, but Mm -hmm. there's not a formula I can teach you necessarily of, okay, if you place this crystal here and this crystal here and put your hands here and say this for five minutes and just imagine positive energy, then everything is going to be fine. That's that's not how it works. Trusting that intuition is the key and having the proper mindset. Because the other thing I've learned too is, let's say someone comes to you for a Reiki or energy healing and they're like, oh, my back really hurts. Can, Can you just work on my back? I don't actually take requests, so I can try. Mm-hmm. But if as I'm feeling your energy field, it's more that your root chakra is blocked, then that's what I'm going to focus on. And I'm hoping your back's going to get better in the process. But sometimes you're stuck in the 3D and I'm focusing in the 5D. Yeah. So getting to the actual root cause. Actual root cause. Right. Right. Your back hurts because you experienced something weird when you were a little kid and you're holding on to that in whatever chakra. Like, yeah, that's I know. And it's one of those things that like, it makes so much sense to me, but trying to explain it sometimes like, and I don't have any training or anything like that. It's just anything I have done is completely self-taught and intuitive based, but I wanted to nerd out a little bit and talk about like crystals and like, what are some of the ones you use and you've found like success with, or maybe even like different energy, like Maybe we can break down the chakra system too, to an extent, because I just learned like, I don't know, you always, the colors, right? You have your seven mm-hmm. chakras. I'm, I work with 10, 10 chakras. Okay. Like, so I what mean, are the 10 chakras that you use? Um, One above us, it's either the nimbus, etheric, whatever, okay. the, heaven, the heavenly chakra, right? And then okay. you have your crown. Yep. Third eye. Yep. Throat. This is something new I just learned in the okay. last couple months, upper heart and lower heart. So okay. there's two heart chakras and okay. break that down a little bit too. And then solar plexus, sacral root, and then the base, the earth, the ground. Okay. So in total, there's 10. So it just, I don't know. Again, there's no formal training here. This is just things I've kind of picked up from different sources and things like that. And it's like, it it is color-based, you know, roughly mm-hmm. certain color stones work for different things. But like, I've really noticed that like, I think I have like a lower heart chakra blockage 
where, and that might kind of go into that autism kind of ADHD thing where it's like, I have a hard time expressing like actual emotion, Mm -hmm. but I can act on that emotion. Like I see the lower heart chakra as like the feel, the self-love, the things like that, like Mm -hmm. expressing those emotions where the higher heart is more like doing something about it. Like, okay. I have no problem helping someone else, but I have a hard time helping myself a lot of the yep, time. Yep. So that was something new. I kind of just learned and like, I'm so in the higher chakras all the time that I'm like flying in space. Yeah. You're airy. And it's, yeah. yeah. And it's like trying to get back to that, like root, the lower ones. So like, I've been really drawn to a lot of like reds, orange, and yellows lately. So things like that have really helped ground me a little more yeah but yeah it's just interesting but so i don't know i guess we can jump into the, the start at the basement this was something that i just kind of met like uh literally learned and metaphysically learned is like it all starts like at the basement the actual base chakra that's your earth one that's the black stones blacks and browns that's your like auric field right that's the thing that's keeping you grounded to this reality and it's great like our life was like a little chaotic and it's like we started cleaning out the basement this is like completely literal we've started cleaning the basement and by cleaning our basement out and getting rid of all this like nonsense like garbage we don't need anymore donating stuff getting rid of all this excess crap we have things started clearing up upstairs was a little less chaotic now now there's places we can put other like so Sometimes I'm so dense, I need things to like hit me in the face, like with literal uh, examples, not just metaphorical, like quite literal things. So that was like a game changer in me, kind of really getting that base anchored to this reality. Yeah, growing roots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I forget what my original question was. You Uh, asked me what crystals I was drawn to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. So my first crystal that I was ever drawn to is Labradorite, and it's still my favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have my Labradorite heart over here, um, but I I have this Labradorite heart that's about the size of my hand and it fits perfectly. Um, and then probably Labradorite and Fluorite are my two ones that I am super drawn to. Um, and I can go into any crystal shop and I'm automatically zooming to Labradorite. Mm-hmm. Like it is the one that I am called to every time that there's just something there. And the interesting cool insert whatever adjective you want here um the first time i was introduced to crystals was by mike we were going to my best friend's wedding or it was like the next day and he took me to a crystal shop for the first time and i about had a temper tantrum as a grown adult because i was carrying around this labradorite heart but then there was something else and i didn't understand this feeling And the shop owner was so nice and because I was getting like very anxious and upset because he was getting ready to go. And I'm like trying to articulate why I want to cry and stomp my feet like a two-year-old. It was so bizarre. And she's like, well, do you, do you feel like something in here is calling you? And I'm like calling to me. They're all stones. What are are you, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And I ended up finding this rose quartz pendulum. And as soon as I had it in my hand, all those feelings went away. And now the weird thing is that that rose quartz pendulum still sits on my shelf. And so I've also realized that sometimes I will pick up crystals or my husband will pick up crystals 
And we're just that way station. We're that holding pattern for someone who maybe comes into our house or that we meet that we're like, oh, this is really meant for you. And I've just been holding on to it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, it, same thing. I, I have this problem where like, so what I'll do is if I want to work with like a specific stone and, and now I'm getting into the whole like actual like manufacturing behind crystals and stuff too. I, I want to open up a crystal shop in our area and hopefully we can do that relatively soon. But you start learning about like the energy in the stone. How was it ethically sourced? Was it Ooh, produced yeah. fair trade? Yeah. Is there bad energy in your crystal before you even get it to your house? You know what I mean? Did a yeah. child make this, you know, beautiful little pendulum? Was it made with slave labor? Was this, so there's that whole aspect of it that I'm starting to really be more conscious of, but like, so what a lot of times I'll do is I'll order like a bag of like rough stone. My reasoning for that is there's very minimal problems. Like a lot of the problems come within the manufacturing yep, of yep. stuff. So it's like this came out of the earth. Hopefully the miner was treated good. You know what I mean? And it just, it's raw and it's coming to me and then I'll work with them and tumble them myself or see what I can do. That's a side note, but like I'll, I'll order a big bag because I've had the experience where you order one crystal online and you get it and you're like, this doesn't resonate at all with me. Yep. Right. So I order a bag and then I typically give them away to people. <laughs> you know, I would like to start selling them, making some money back, but that's, that'll come at a later date. But it's like, uh, you find the one that works with you. Like, you know, there's always going to be one out of that batch. And that's why crystal shops are good because you can go in and you can see like a variety. It's hard to do that online. You know, I'm, I'm very like hands-on. I got to feel it. You know, there's some, like if you're buying a specific crystal online, you can get that energy from it. You can see it yeah. like, oh, I like that one. But when you go to a lot of these shops, it's like, they just send you whatever. They tell you it's intuitively chosen, but it's it's not. They just have them in bags and they throw them out. And, you know, it is what it is. But <clears throat> if you guys um, start a business, a lot of these crystal shows will have a section that businesses, only businesses can go to and you buy it wholesale. Uh, typically, there's like a $100 or $200 minimum of what it is. But a crystal that and I've seen this because I live in Connecticut, a crystal that a crystal shop will charge, let's say $15 for at wholesale is $253. Right. And part of me understands the markup because if it's in a shop, you have to pay the electricity, you have to pay the rent, mm-hmm. you have to pay the water, you have to have a salary, like all of these things. But I also know that some shops mark up more than they should. Yeah, 100%. And Again, that comes down to like karma. And it's like, that's why it's such a tricky business. And people are like, oh, just order a bunch of rocks online and sell them. And I'm like, I can't do that because it just doesn't feel right. If, like you're already putting like this weird greed twist to it. And now yeah. this rock is kind of, I don't want to say tainted. I think you can clean a lot of the energy out of them. But like, yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a tricky, slippery slope where you got to like, Again, integrity. You have to have like integrity behind it and respect for the stuff. But yeah, Labradorite is a really, I'm sorry to just jump ship. That's very good. But uh, Labradorite is a really cool stone. It's one of those like powerhouse ones that really. This is a Labradorite obelisk I have. Mm-hmm. 
and then this is a fluorite. Mm-hmm. Rainbow fluorite. Yep. yep. And I only like the rainbow fluorite. Mm-hmm. And for me, it has to have the green and the purple. If it doesn't have the green or blue and the purple, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And it's... Have you had any weird experiences with rocks? Because I've had... like. There's some rocks, I'll be honest, I hold them, they're pretty, I like the way they feel, but they do nothing for me. And then there's some oh, yeah. that I've had, like, wild-ass dreams with, <laughs> and, like, weird stuff happens. I've had stuff, I had a angelite wand that I bought, right? And it just, it broke. Don't know how it broke, just split in half. And it's like, how do you explain those, like, weird <laughs> things that go on with them? Yeah, I've had... um hematite break on me like within like a day um i had a fluorite pendant that mike ended up dropping and it was like my favorite thing and it broke and there was no way to put it back together and i was so upset um but it shouldn't have broke the way it fell Mm -hmm. um and then it's not a stone it's a metal and so copper both mike and i actually have to wear copper every day because of uh, a crazy person in his past. So actually our wedding bands, we got them partly for that and they have a ring of copper in them, but also for us, because sometimes we'll do Reiki in our house together on one person. And that's a wild experience. So we've been told, Um, but it's also our Reiki rings. And so it's not a rock, but so my wedding band has a thing of copper and then I wear a copper bracelet and um, he does the same thing. That's interesting. Is there, aside from the spiritual property of it, like because the person is past or whatever, is there any like actual physical reason? Like, does it help with like any immune disorders or anything like that? Like, cause copper is one of those like ultra conductors, right? Yeah. And I wrap, crystals with copper wire all the time and i put them in my plants <laughs> i have like weird little copper wands that i do and i don't know it's it's just one of those things but if i wear it too much it'll make my skin like break out so so that's the weird thing is that my skin has never like there's no marks on my wrist mm-hmm. um mike's will sometimes but i think that's because he wears multiple bracelets and his are a little bit tighter. Mine are more bangly, so they move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, my skin has never broken out from it. And if I don't wear it, I feel like something is missing. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I would say that's probably the biggest impact of any crystal or even object sometimes that like you've you've charged up with this energy. It's like, I can't leave the house without certain things. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. certain rocks, little devices I've made that I don't feel good unless I have that with me. It's yeah. like black tourmaline necklace is one of those things. Like I have to, if I'm going out in public, I need this thing on. And that could be uh placebo type stuff. Yeah. could just be habit, but I feel the difference if I don't have it. You know what I mean? Like there's a physical change that occurs. When I don't wear this necklace, I feel like stuff sticks to me more. Listen, or... there are weirder and worse things for people to be obsessed with and making sure they have a certain crystal when they leave the house. So mm-hmm. like you said, whether it's placebo or there's actually doing something for me, I don't really care because 
it helps me and doesn't hurt anybody else. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And I think that's just a good lesson in general. Like if someone's doing something that you don't agree with, as long as it's not hurting anyone, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. Just, just let it go. You know just what I mean? Just, just stop caring. Stop trying to micromanage every aspect of people's lives. Like you're wasting so much of your own energy trying to hate on someone else. Like just, I don't know. We, we, we've dealt with this now for the past, not just two years. It's been going on for years, but it's like, just I get leave it. people alone. Just who cares? Are you yeah. hurting anyone? No, then just forget about it. Just do your own thing. So yep. I don't know. Oh man. Yeah. Did you have any other questions for me, Al? No, like I loved where this went, that it just went all over the place. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic, no, no, I I love it. I thought it was a fantastic conversation. Can you tell everyone where they can find you um, in Upstate Unconventional? Yeah. So our show is Upstate Unconventional. I do it now with Rosie, uh, my wife, and we're on all the major platforms. We're on Instagram at Upstate underscore Unconventional. And uh, we just started up a YouTube channel where we're doing, I'm, I'm slowly putting like some of the old conversations on some of the old, uh, interviews with video and we're going to do more metaphysical rock stuff and just different content that's then that's on like the Instagram. I don't do much with the Instagram. I should do more, but yeah. So right now all the platforms, uh, Instagram and YouTube now. So yeah. And thank you Elle, for having me on. This was yeah, felt good to get like some of that stuff out. Like just the, I've, I haven't really, talked about the uh like alcoholist stuff like how why yeah. i quit and things like that so yeah it felt good to get that out there yeah it <laughs> let it go like let it go be like elsa and let it go mm-hmm. and uh yeah hopefully someone who needs to hear it hears it so i thank you nico for coming on and all of those links will be in the show notes guys and thank you all for listening and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful day <laughs>